I am professional wrestler Chris Rex, and if you're hearing my voice, that means you're listening to the Bear of Texas podcast. What is up, beauties? This is Alex Alcazaz, a.k.a. the Bear of Texas, and this is Cowboys Talk. Let's proudly welcome back Wiley, a.k.a. the Venomous Stare. Wiley, are you ready to recap the NFC Least from Week 1? I'm so ready for this, Alex. This division is an abhorrent disgrace, and in many ways, it is sort of just a competition to see who can suck the least. Let's jump right into it. Let's let's jump right into it. And the way you describe it, we're gonna have to use your famous your famous words, Wiley. We're gonna start with repulsive, repugnant, and most importantly, fraud, fraud, fraud. fraud. <laughs> I mean, this division is just atrocious. If you look at Washington, they couldn't get anything started. They were spitting up all over themselves. Fitzpatrick's already hurt. The Giants, of course, are exactly what they thought they would be, a legion of frauds. I still am shocked by the fact that you favored them to win the division. And we've already spoke about the Cowboys. And the Eagles actually look decent, but we'll jump into those games individually and sort of talk about them but that's just like the brief overview if you miss the action well totally and yeah you know <laughs> how could i because apparently i had forgotten that a certain fraud is the offensive coordinator for the giants and now i'm seeing these giant sports writers and these giant fans saying the exact same thing that we were saying when jason garrett was our head coach questionable and wrongfully play calling okay apparently and not to mention the fact that i must have forgotten that daniel jones even though you've reminded me many times is a turnover machine oh he's terrible this is a guy who the new york media dubbed danny dimes and the only thing that eclipses his ability to overthrow receivers is his ability to drop the ball in the pocket if you're a defensive coordinator this is the sort of guy that you're just licking your chops ready to attack because he has so many weaknesses. He can be easily rattled, doesn't have any sort of pocket presence or awareness. He'll sit there and hold on to that ball forever. And the Giants, I think, are going to be bad for about two more seasons. I would expect them to top out at six wins. And then eventually we're going to see the New York Kate mob really start to go over Danny Dimes and say, oh, I can't believe that our idiot team thought that this Duke quarterback was going to be able to carry us. We need to get rid of him. Expect it to be similar to the Sam Darnold situation where he got run out of New York after not having a chance. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, I'm telling you, these giant sports writers are just, it's the same thing. I mean, check this out. This guy, Giants Daily, says, and I quote, This is Daniel Jones' third year in the NFL. If he has yet to clean up his turnover problem, there should be zero expectation that it'll ever get cleaned up. I don't want to hear about four to f- or five game stretches where he's gone turnover less. Daniel Jones is a turnover machine. Oh, and a fraud to boot. That guy didn't write that, but if I were to be a Giants writer, you can believe that fraud would be a frequently used term in my article, similar to writing for the Rangers. This is a team that does nothing but disappoint, and a uh, market that pretends as though things are going to be different and is unreasonably excited. It's funny because we think of New York as such a negative media market, and it is, of course, but the hype surrounding Danny Dimes and the amount of sort of idiotic dishonesty, it's just staggering. 
you know, this is a, a media market that you would think is, oh, it's such high gratification expectations. How are they going to cut this kid any slack? It's going to be so hard. But it's almost delusion that we're seeing from many New York fans, even thinking that this guy could be a top-tier quarterback or even an above-average NFL quarterback. Wasn't that good in college against terrible competition? Has looked terrible throughout his entire NFL career? And is just lost in general? And I think the Giants are sort of the easiest team to judge in this entire division because we know what they are. We know their defense is soft and porous. We know Danny Dimes is a turnover machine. Really, you're just hoping that Saquon Barkley hard carries. And he looked absolutely abominable. Looked as though his ACL was still torn. Got 10 touches for 26 yards, which was just absolutely repulsive. I got stuck with him on my jokish fantasy team, and he pretty much solo lost me the game. So there's really nothing to be happy about if you're a Giants fan. Not at all. And speaking of doing research, I mean, check this out. In the last six of the last in the last six of their seven games, the Giants have been helped to twenty uh, to twenty points in six of those games. Okay, and furthermore, they've been held to under ten points in three of their last five games. I mean, we can blame the injuries or anything, but. Okay, I mean, there you go. The fact there's that conservative, traditional style that Jason Garrett is stuck in. I mean, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Even I said this when they when they hired Jason Garrett. I'm like, guys, even the Giants, as much as you and I don't like them, even the Giants don't need to go through this kind of bullshit. Well, frankly, I think it's funny because you think the Giants fans are over here like, oh, we're. We really feel bad for Cowboys Nation. I just feel so bad that the Cowboys had 10 years wasted by an incompetent. No, the Giants were laughing at us. So I think it's heckin' hilarious that they have to deal with terrible, talentless <laughs> Jason Garrett. And even though it is frustrating to watch because it's not like you, you have, oh, like a super creative guy and it's just not working out. Here's a guy who doesn't have an ounce of creativity or talent and he's so far behind the metagame in terms of coaches like Sean McVay that are always using these motion sets and run pass options and the standard metagame shifts that we've seen in the NFL over the last five years that a lot of people just sort of write off as standard. People like Andy Reid and Sean McVay do them to great effect. And you still have guys like Jason Garrett who, even in 2010, he was calling an archaic poor playbook and he's just so out of his depth at this point as old ramsey would say out of your depth you're sitting here calling <laughs> you're, 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 you're sitting here calling uh, pissant screen passes on third and eight and doing a moronic clap for yourself as it fails this is the exact sort of stuff that we saw in dallas whenever he was the coach and one of the things that makes me really realize and come to the conclusion that the giants are never going to improve in, uh, of course, recent history, like the next two or three years, is Garrett. They're hard-capped by Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett, as you're any sort of coach, even if he fills the water bottles, it's going to have an adverse effect on your team. This is a guy that never deserved his first job, wasn't a good offensive coordinator, and was just a failure as a head coach. I don't have any faith in him at all, and this is the exact sort of stuff that I expected and you know what, Alex, whenever I watch this team, I even I even think to myself, well, is Saquon even going to be able to be serviceable? 
because the Giants were bad during Saquon's rookie year, but he still had good games individually where he ate. Saquon, whenever he would get a lot of touches, they did actually figure out a way to have him find the end zone and be an effective weapon. What's sick about Jason Garrett is he takes these talented, scary, existing weapons and really sort of screws them up or devalues them. So out of all the teams in the NFC East, I think the Giants are the worst off, which really floored me whenever you you predicted them to win the division because this is exactly what I expected from the Giants, an inept, turnover-prone offense with the poorest defense. If you look at the rest of the NFC East, as jokish as it is, the other teams at least have weapons. Washington's defense is above average, and they have Scary Terry. Phillies have uh, some unproven guys in terms of the Heisman-winning receiver they took in the first round. Hertz has room to improve as a young kid. Sanders has room to improve, and their defense could be worse. And then, of course, the Cowboys. We know they have some very solid offensive weapons, especially if you just go by name value and you don't watch the games. Oh, Zeke Elliott. Dak Prescott, I, they're on a lot of heckin' commercials. The Cowboys must be great. And, of course, the line, which is now pretty damn depleted, and I think is really the, going to be the defining factor of the season is the power of the line and the health of the line. We can talk about Lael Collins. Uh, I know you did a whole episode on that, but that's got to be mentioned if we're talking the NFC East because, look, the Cowboys, a team built around their offensive line, and they've already got guys going down on the line. So... It, it, it's stupid, but I gotta ask you: Would you agree to say that Jason Garrett is lost cause? Oh yeah, I mean, for people who are longtime fans of the show, I was saying that basically since we started doing the show, Garrett's got to go. He's the Neo Wade Phillips. You gotta remember, Wade Phillips was at least a good defensive coordinator, sort of like Romeo Cornell in a way. One of these guys who certainly had talent on one side of the ball, but was essentially incapable of being a good head coach. I really don't even think Garrett can be put in the category of, oh, well, you know, he's a good coordinator, but not a good coach. No, he's just talentless. And the Giants fans are going to be calling for this guy's head sooner rather than later. I think that him and Joke Judge are repugnant frauds. I don't know if you saw this, but there was this hilarious play where the Giants like scored. There was a, a touchdown that occurred, and Joke Judge like got all butt hurt, and just like instant threw his challenge flag out, like he was a baseball manager back in the '80s, like running out to argue with the bad call. And the refs were like, "Well, every scoring play is auto reviewed by New York, so we're gonna have to charge you with the timeout." Is it sort of like in basketball when you don't have a timeout? and you throw up the tee and try to call one, it's considered unsportsmanlike and gets you a penalty. Because essentially, they don't want you to be able to like angle shoot the other team and duplicitously use timeouts or challenges you don't have or can't use, and then like the clock stops and you screw up their tempo. So we basically saw Joe Judge was too dim-witted to know the basic rules, rules that any casual fan even like female fans or fantasy football fans or new fans, anyone who's been watching even a little bit of the NFL in the last five years is aware of this rule. This rule that any scoring play is reviewed because, my God, the most obvious touchdowns in the world occur, and then they're like, all right, we got to wait two minutes for New York. And I just thought it was absolutely hilarious to see 
Joe Judge make that mistake. This isn't Gabe Kapler when he was the Phillies manager forgetting to warm a guy up in the pen because he was new. You know, Joe Judge has not really shown anything as far as talent or something that would make you be really confident in him. And now he's showing he doesn't even have a basic understanding of the rules. And these aren't newbie mistakes. This is a guy who has the tenure and has, at this point, the experience to fucking know what you can and can't challenge. Or that plays like that get reviewed. Scoring plays get reviewed. So, you're the Giants. You've got to be sitting there saying to yourself, well, let's think. Our uh, running back can't stay healthy and look severely and perhaps permanently diminished. Our quarterback was never good. And our idiotic team, which absolutely thrives on dick rides, self-absorption, and hype picks, said to themselves, we got to have a QB. Let's just pick whoever's out there. You know, talent level be damned. we got to have our QB right now. When you look at New York teams, they always want to do the flashy win-now move to appease the media. great example of this is the Mellow trade back in 2013, where they could have just had Mellow at the end of the year, but they had to make that New York splash. They had to trade for him. Real flashy. That's what matters in New York over effectiveness is flashiness. And this team is all flash. It's all fizzle. Joke Judge. Jason Garrett. Danny Dimes. This is a collection of dim-witted frauds. A collection of men, in many cases, who do not deserve to be in the NFL in any capacity. And I think in five years, Joke Judge out of the league. Danny Dimes out of the league. I'm sure some idiot team will meme along and rehire Jason Garrett. But these are guys that are awful, and I looked for the Giants to be the worst division in this very poor division. Worst team in this very poor division. You know, this is why I love doing this episode, because, you know, when you put all this, I mean, it's, a, it's accurate, but, you know, it's just, it's just unbelievable that some people just can't understand it. But, you know, and i got to say, Jason Geert's doing the exact same thing he's doing in Dallas when it comes to talent, because let's not deny the fact Okay, you can't. I can't sit here and say, "Well, Daniel Jones has no weapons." Like, dude, there's Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Kenny Galladay, both uh, very respectable receivers. Okay, but the bottom Saquon's line is, a top five guy, and of course Saquon too. You know, but I, I, I don't understand. If you have these weapons, how do you not know what to do with it? Especially if you have the experience, you know, or well, I mean. It, the, the fact that you know how you said how Garrett never accomplished anything. I mean, I can't say experience because experience usually means. You know, well, no, uh, you, you can say experience. Can? He fucking played the games. He was there for 10 years. Ex you said experience, not success. Okay. He certainly has okay. experience. We saw him guzzle okay. for 10 years. He's got all the experience in the world. You were right. You were right. But, yeah, and then that experience, the key word, success, it was not in there, okay? But say, well, we won the NFC East. Look, in the Cowboys situation since 1996, okay, the NFC East is doesn't mean a thing we haven't won anything we can't even get to the freaking nfc championship okay but the bottom line is when people say that daniel jones has no weapons or the giants have no offensive weapons like dude i mean of course they say oh wait well then remember there's saquon brock I'm like well there's the wide receiver core there's shepherd slayton and galladay okay it seems like you know it's not just jason geard who's a lost cause but apparently it seems to me that according to you that joe judge is the same way and you know and yeah obviously i think now my eyes are open because like i said when these teams look good on paper i think from now on on paper needs to be something that's avoided at all costs on paper should be a last resort like don't be convinced 
that there's hope just because they look good on paper. So that's why I'm officially declaring on paper is it officially a last resort because, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I did pick the Giants. I'm not going to say... I mean, I'm obviously I'm I'm having second thoughts, but the bottom line is that you are. I, I mean, as that that's why some advice, dude. If it looks good on paper, don't let that get anywhere. That's the, you know, it's a last resort. So at least oh. I am learning my lesson. At least I'm not stubborn enough to say, "Well, it's not my fault that I got it wrong. I'm just human." Like, no, I'm taking responsibility. That's why I keep getting. That, that's why I, I guess that's why everybody still respects me. Well, you know what? At least Alex is not arrogant and you know that way he's not he's not you know scared enough to say that he was wrong i mean i was wrong what do you want me to say well that's one thing when you do shows like this you're gonna miss predictions no matter like how intelligent you are or what your basis for making the, de the decisions or predictions were but look the, the thing about these shows is the vods are out there right oh, yeah. and hard and hardcore fans listen to every episode so you would you if if you were to open the episode by pretending you didn't pick the Giants, then we would be frauds. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if we accuse other people of fraud, you and I can't sit up here and, like, week one be like, oh, my prediction I made never happened. You know, that that's how that's how Skip Bayless and Colin Coward make their living, <laughs> is, is being, is especially Coward. The guy will make what you call, like, manufactured hot takes, where essentially what you do is you like try to say something controversial that you might not even believe just for attention, and then you swing back around when the circle jerk is going in the opposite direction and pretend you were the other way. You lie. You're duplicitous. That's how these major me major media market frauds try to make a living. This is how Coward, Bayless, and his ilk do their thing. They just say something cutesy Q for clicks, put it up on YouTube with an all-cap title, try to be hard, and then whenever it comes back around on them, they literally just lie and say that they were on the correct other side of the coin the entire time. So we always talk about how we're honest and we're not bullshitters or cowboys apologists. Well, the same goes for when we miss predictions, you know, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna get a lot of mileage out of that one. I'm afraid, Alex, you're gonna get teased a lot for that one every time the Giants commit fraud. Alex, the Bear Man's go-to pick this season, the Giants. So, yeah, the Giants, say, the Giants are awful. But then they'll say, but at least Alex has the balls to say that he was wrong. Yeah, of course, it'll it'll be like a funny, light-hearted thing. You yeah, know? but still, I mean, yeah. This whole shit, good on paper, I mean, it, it's a last resort. I mean, it should always be like that because, okay, because it's not about being good on paper, okay? It's about reality. Like, don't live, you know, in fantasy. Like, be in reality. That's the, that's another, the problem. Another thing about the on paper thing is rosters can look good on paper, but a lot of it comes down to the coaching. So, yeah, the Giants maybe have a lot of weapons on paper, and they should have won more than three games, but... What what people don't realize about on paper is like coaching has so much to do with that. If you have shit coaching, your really talented team is gonna underperform. See like the Cowboys for the last four years of Jason Garrett's tenure. This is the sort of thing that we're talking about. It's yeah. Uh, so repugnant. I mean ten years wasted, but let's talk about the Washington football team and the Los Angeles Chargers. Well, number one is I did say, look, Washington's defense is good, but I don't care that Justin Herbert is a is in his second year. Justin Herbert is a talent. He can throw, and he did actually have a good game. 31 completions, nearly 340 yards, 
Okay, one touchdown and one pick. Now, Washington's defense did its best, but as far as Washington goes, you know, I kind of feared this would happen. You know, Ryan Fitzpatrick suffers a hip injury, and now he's on injured reserve, I believe, for six to eight weeks. And, Jesus. And then Tyler Heineke comes in, and, and I, I really like to say this about Tyler Heineke. I mean, the dude is pretty good. I mean, he's a dude that I believe you're familiar with because he's a former Carolina Panther. Uh, serviceable guy like people see oh heineke like well they're fucked but like this guy's at least two or three times better than dwayne haskins you know the dwayne haskins another great example of a a dick road guy in college a guy that uh, a team that's in desperate need of a quarterback sits there and says to themselves oh this is our guy we have a high draft pick we have to take a quarterback whereas an intelligent team might take the best guy, at, you know, just the best overall guy, regardless of position. But idiot teams and shitter teams will do this thing consistently where they'll just go for the flashy pick in the draft as opposed to the solid pick. And we saw the Cowboys do the opposite of that whenever they took Zach Martin over Johnny Football, which everyone, that is sort of a bummer because obviously it's like the butterfly effect. Johnny Football would have had a completely different career had he been a cowboy. You know, getting sent to Cleveland was a death sentence. So I kind of hate to use that example because it would have been cute to see Johnny Football in a cowboy uniform, but obviously Zach Martin was the better pick. But the Giants and Skins, oh, the football team, they can't get out of their own way. The Haskins pick was, to me, that was so obvious to be a, a, a dick road college guy hype pick that was going to fizzle out. Haskins never looked even remotely capable of being an NFL quarterback. And the Daniel, Do- the, not to harp on like the Daniel Jones thing, because we got done talking about the Giants, but that's part of why the Daniel Jones thing fucking blows my mind so much. This is a guy who didn't even look good in college. He didn't even seem like a threat at Duke. Yeah, the football powerhouse, Duke. What is Shashevsky over there on the sidelines, chiefing two cigarettes at once? You would have to be really dim-witted to believe in Daniel Jones and come up with Danny Dimes and be on all fours when the guy hasn't even taken a snap. At least Haskins was good in college. Was it obvious his style wouldn't translate? Yes. Yeah. Was it obvious that you you were like a, a college football dick rider if you thought he would be a good NFL quarterback? Yes. However... At least he had talent. Daniel Jones never even had talent. Okay, so it's just funny to look at the quarterbacks in the NFC East. You got two guys that are absolutely horrific. And then Dak, who we talk about every week, who, you know, is very overrated. Probably the most overrated player in the league. Although he's obviously infinitely better than Dimes or Haskins. I just love being able to say Danny Dimes because it's like it's so obviously a terrible, awful, dim-witted nickname. And the guy's a fraud, so I'm sort of using it sarcastically. And then I think like the Philly quarterback actually has some stuff to prove. He can be decent, but I think his cap is like a six and a half out of ten. Thing about him is you can hope he'll turn into the next Lamar Jackson and run all over people. He's got his favorite college target. So obviously out of all the teams, the Eagles look the best and they dominated what will I think be a very jokish Falcons team. For whatever reason, the Falcons like just wanted to run a lot. That's not what the Falcons do. I think that the Falcons really underestimated the 
sort of companionship and camaraderie of Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and how good these guys were together because that was pretty much their whole offense. And I don't care how big of a salary cap Julio Jones hit was because whenever you have elite guys like that and you give them these premier holy shit contracts to pat yourself on the back and feel good about yourself, if you get to the final years of the contract and offload it for scraps, think, you know, like the Angels cutting Albert Fujols. Teams do these big moves. Oh, we're signing our premier big guy to a long-term deal. Shouldn't the fans be so happy? Fans, look how much we love you. We're giving a fan-favorite guy a big contract. And then they milk a couple years out of it and then offload it. It's just a clout-chasing move. That's a It's a dishonest, pathetic move, fraudulent move from ownership. This is the sort of move where idiot fans will get hyped about it. It'll sort of fizzle out a lot of the times, and then they'll just give the guy away. And I think that was really disgusting. And whenever I saw Julio Jones wearing that new number, looking nothing like himself, completely disjointed in an awful performance by the Titans, him and Tannehill, who's very underrated, looked completely lost and disjointed. And eventually the only way the Titans offense ended up working was Tannehill just threw it to A.J. Brown like last year. Him and Julio were not on the same page, and I think the Falcons undervalued Julio, which sounds absurd, you know, considering the contract, and I think the Titans really expected him to do more, and he will be able to develop that rapport with Tannehill to some extent. Will it be as well as he worked with Matt Ryan? No. Will it be even half as good? Maybe. It might not, though. Julio might have a total washout year, and if you picked him in fantasy, you should be less of a hype buyer. Because he was very obviously going to fall way, way off. So whenever I look at the Falcons, they're a disgraceful team that would fit right in with the NFC East in terms of the just absolutely moronic things that they do. And whenever I look back upon all the smug, disgusting dick ride, whenever they were up on Tom Brady huge at the half in the Super Bowl, and how all those disgusting bandwagoners and obnoxious Falcons fans were gloating so hard... When that game blew up in their face, they never recovered. I hope the Falcons never win a Super Bowl. I hope they ha that defines them. I hope that that literally defines the franchise because we saw the true colors of their fans. That was like the internet equivalent of the Philly fans throwing batteries and snowballs filled with ice at Santa Claus. These were some real disgusting miscreants. I mean, it's, it's just incredible how bad Atlanta has gotten, you know, because, you know, I, I figured, well, you know, I didn't pick Atlanta to win week one, but I, I thought that, you know, the rookie tight end, Kyle Pitts, who was a very good tight end, I figured he'd probably have a, a hell of a debut, but that did not happen. I mean, it's fraudulent just how horrible Atlanta is, but it's not just one side of the ball. I mean, the defense at first did its job, but this is what happens, okay? When an offense can't do anything for the entire game, then the defense man just do its best for three quarters. Eventually, that defense is going to be gassed, okay? They're going to be exhausted, okay? Look, it's... It, what, what, what people just don't understand is, look, how do you expect a team to win when only one side of the ball is doing its job, okay? You don't win on an individual effort, okay? It's teamwork, okay? You need a balanced team, and balanced team means a team that's effective on both offense and defense, and that's clearly not the case with the Atlanta Falcons, okay? And the Eagles took advantage of it. And, the way, and, and how I'm looking is, you know, looking at it, 
is that the, the Eagles had a total of 434 yards, you know, 260 through the air, 173 on the ground, you know, an average of six, about 6.5 yards uh, per play. And, you know, the defense sacked uh, Matt Ryan, I believe, three times. And uh, it, it's, inc- it's incredible. Uh, so we got to give Philly credit for that because they took advantage of the opportunity. I mean, see, here's what I should say, too, is that unlike Dallas – Philly's had an opportunity, but they took it. There's a difference right now between Dallas and Philly. Philly takes advantage, but Dallas doesn't do it. Absolutely. The Cowboys are a team that will squander opportunities, and that's pretty much what a lot of their guys have made a career out of. Look at Dak Prescott. When his rookie year, he came in with the keys to the Cadillac, the best offense in the league, and was mere middling. And it's been downhill ever since then. And Cowboys fans somehow have this idea that, oh, when uh, Dak Prescott had the best running back in the league, the best line in the league, and a lot of offensive weapons, he was okay. And now that everything is getting worse, and he accounts for like 30% of the team's salary cap, they're suddenly going to get better. It's like if he he couldn't get it done with those guys, he's not going to get it done now. He hasn't improved at all. He's actually throwing way more interceptions and making more mistakes. I think Philly looks pretty strong, and with Fitzmagic going down, Washington is just going to really struggle. Like, uh, I don't think they'll be worse than the Giants, but really, their whole team was predicated off of like, well, we're about average, and what does Fitzmagic do to average teams? He gets them 10 wins, so really sucks that he got banged up in week one, but it really helps the Cowboys, you know, this is... The Cowboys' division to lose as far as what pretty much everyone thinks and how it should be. The Cowboys can't win this division, then not only are they a disgrace across the board, but I think it really says a lot about Dak and their future. It does, and and speaking of uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, I respect the guy, but I think at this point of his career... I'm I'm not sure. I mean, the, the, right now, obviously, is can he stay healthy or not? I mean, his skills are still there, but you know, it, it's the health. And you know, and and for Washington, you know, this is what I'm talking about. The defense did its best, but the offense could not produce much. Now, Tyler Heineke did go 11 for 15, which is good, but only 122 yards. And Antonio Gibson, their running back, 20 carries for 90 yards, which is not the best, but respectable. But but we can't say Washington has no has no weapons. I mean, you know, there's Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin, but you know, looking at this is you know the Washington defense got a bit overwhelmed. You know, allowed over 420 total yards, but Washington's defense did force did get two sacks. They did get the interception, but that that fumble, like Lance, did you see the play? Where where they supposedly got that fumble, or forced it, I should say. Which play was this? It was the play where Justin Herbert threw the ball forward. I mean, the ball did, like, I mean, the ball did get touched, and the ball kind of looked like it was like that. Oh, dude, fraud! That, like, yes, absolutely, I saw that play. Because I had, I was watching with my buddy who had Herbert in fantasy, and I had Keenan Allen, and we both needed the point so bad. I, I try not to talk about fantasy too much on this show, but, yeah, that is why I was watching the game. That was like the absolute antithesis of the Tom Brady tuck rule. This was su- this was an obvious forward pass that went for 20 yards and got tipped. And the referees disgustingly 
called it a fumble. Like um, a 20-yard forward pass that made it into the end zone. They called that shit a fumble. One of the worst calls in recent NFL history. It made the the call on uh, freaking Des Bryant in the 2014 playoffs against the Packers. It was like that level of call, that level of fraudulence. The fact that they could come to that conclusion, it was just absolutely absurd. When have you ever seen a ball go 20 yards forward called a fumble? It was just pat- patently ridiculous. And like, whenever you see stuff like that, not, not to be overly dramatic, but perhaps there should be a match-fixing investigation launched against the referees or like a, a point-shaving investigation. Because that that's the sort of duplicitous, dim-witted thing that is so grotesque and out of place that you've got to wonder, like, was someone threatened to be brutalized if they didn't make the game go against the Chargers? Was someone gonna, you know, like, was there some sort of threat made to a referee before the game? These referees need to be set up with counseling and be able to tell people if they're getting death threats because it was actually that level of duplicitous. It was actually that bad where you... You were sitting there to yourself saying, like watching SOS play his final GSL game, like, well, what is going on here? Like, this, none of this looks right. It fails the eye test. So, yes, I'm glad we talked about that because I, my buddy and I were both absolutely fucking floored. And we both ended up losing our fantasy game by not many points, so. I mean, my That's... fantasy, my fantasy, my week one suck. I mean, I was off to a good start, but... I couldn't get any support from Josh Allen, you know, Robert Woods. I mean, the Rams' defense didn't, didn't do me any favors. But I am glad to say I'm glad I picked CeeDee Lamb over Julio Jones. That turns out actually one of the few good decisions I make in fantasy football. But anyway, but anyway, but the I want to wrap up about Washington is, you know, because of course I see Washington, you know, lose this game. And all these Cowboy fans, you know, the ones that we that we, that we say, you know, they're in denial because they are. They're already saying we're, we're going to destroy that Washington defense. I'm like, you know what? Look, okay, number one, the Chargers offense is not like ours, okay? Now, and we got the chart, and, and the Cowboys play the Chargers this Sunday, and we'll, we'll preview that in a few days. But, you know, Washington's defense, despite the fact that it got a bit overwhelmed, it's still out there, okay? And it's better than ours, that's for sure. Yeah, whose isn't? The Falcons, basically, and that's it. Probably, yeah. But... You know, and uh, as we uh, get to the f- final stage, I mean, right now, there's no question. Philadelphia is obviously the best team, not just because they're the only team that's actually won their first game. Now, some people will say, well, Philadelphia beat a horrible Falcons team. I'm like, well, that is true. Yeah, the Falcons are, in your words, fraud, okay? But what we have to give the Eagles credit for, I mean, I, obviously, we hate giving the Eagles credit, but, you know, we got to give the credit where its credit's due is, the Eagles took advantage of the opportunities. That's why they won, okay? Yeah. What jumps out to me about Philly, too, is they have the highest ceiling out of any of these teams in the NFC East in terms of unproven talent. I think if the, I think if everyone fires on all cylinders, I think the Cowboys actually have the best offense in that division. But what I mean is, with the kid from Bama who won the Heisman, who caught a touchdown pass for his first pass ever... You have Sanders and the quarterback, Hurts, who both have a lot of room to improve and can get a lot better. And I look at all that and I say, Philly could actually overperform this season. Whereas we beat the dead horse and the Giants being a joke. And Washington lots fist magic. And they're sort of a known commodity. 
they don't have any young, exciting pieces. They're sort of what they were last year, sort of an average to below average team on the offensive side of the ball. But Philly, there's a chance that Hurts and the rookie establish a great rapport. Sanders pretty damn sharp, a nice little weapon, catching swing passes out of the backfield. Zach Ertz can find his old form. This is a team that if the rookie from Alabama comes into his own, suddenly their biggest weakness, the lack of receivers, isn't that egregious? So, I mean, I, mean, I, 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 I like Philly right now for the division. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, realistically, right now they're they're the go-to team. But I'm not the reason why I'm not sold on. Even though Washington's defense again got a bit overwhelmed on the passing game, the reason why I'm not convinced that they're bad yet. I mean, look, they played the New York Giants uh, actually in about uh, two days, and they'll play them this Thursday, and I will have my eye on that. Now, if Daniel Jones was to, like, get, like, 400 yards. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but but you know what? Like, if, if uh, Daniel Jones were to get, like, 400 yards on the Washington football team, and if Washington still wins, that's where I'm just going to start scratching my head. I'm like, huh, they got they let Daniel Jones. I mean, uh, uh, again, like I said, there's the talent, but, you know, we all know how Daniel Jones is. You, you describe him to a perfect T, so there's, <laughs> there's, no, there's no way I, I could out-describe out Daniel Jones the way you did, if you know what I mean. But the bottom line is... If Washington struggles against the Giants' offense, and especially in the passing game, that's where the questions start. Yeah, well, as far as questions go, I'll give you a few answers on Danny Dimes. <laughs> He's going to be a failure, and that's the Venom Astaire guarantee. There is no question about the Giants. If you were to sort of make snap judgments, and here I'm going to make some bold predictions to take the heat off of your your Giants division winner prediction. LOL. I, mean, I made that mistake, so you know what? You don't you don't have to dignify yourself to get the heat. I mean, I did what I did, right? No, no, I, I got you, I got you. But here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that the Giants are going to be the worst team in this division by far, and it's not going to be close. And not only that, but I have the least faith in all of their pieces, minus Barkley. Whereas, like, McLaurin is good. Fitzpatrick is above average. Uh, Sanders, above average. And when you look at the Giants, it's like they don't have much to build on. There, there, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, Washington, you know, here's the difference. Dallas' schedule moving forward, I mean, after week one, some people were saying it was relatively easy. But based on the week one results... Okay, I'm going to say the Cowboys... Okay, first of all, I and after this, you should never, ever be convinced that the Cowboys have an easy schedule. I mean, look at that. I mean, look, they play the Chargers this Sunday, okay, and Justin Herbert what, could easily destroy our defense. And then we have what to play... You, I'm sorry, go ahead. What you mean is you can't fucking pencil in W's ahead no, of time. No, because that's a fatal mistake. I mean, yeah. they play the Chargers, and Justin Herbert could easily eviscerate our, our entire secondary because he's that damn good. Then we got the yep. Eagles uh, on our first home game on Monday Night Football, and we got, that'll be tough. Okay, and, and then we got the Panthers at then we got the Panthers at home before playing the Giants at home, and then before playing the freaking Patriots. Okay, yeah, so we have no easy schedule. And well, look, looking at the Eagles, okay, the Eagles have the 49ers next. Okay, now the 49ers did beat up on a terrible uh, Detroit Lions team, but they really tried to choke that game away. Did you see that? Yeah. They had they basically had an insurmountable advantage, made like three back to back laughable errors to make the game semi close. One thing that jumps out to me about the first week of the NFL was how low quality the games were. A lot of the offenses looked disjointed. I'm not talking about just the NFC East here. 
the first half specifically of a lot of these games looked like the first preseason game. Whenever the NFL announced that it was removing a preseason game, everyone was like, heckin' great, we get football a week earlier. Uh, no, they just added in a corny bye week like before the Super Bowl that everybody hates. And I think that it's sort of absurd because people, like the stars don't play in the preseason anyway, right? So it is pretty fucking absurd to sit there with your dick in your hand and be like, oh, well, we got rid of the preseason games because no one likes them. Oh, well, how does that affect the regular season? Starts at the same time and the games are even worse. Because now the teams can't even tune up the week before if they want. So to me, I think that it, uh, m removing the Moving a preseason game actually made the product worse. Either way, there was going to be consequences. So, I mean, regardless, there would have been pissed off people. Another thing that I dislike is that it's sort of like, here is it throws off the records that were established before. Oh, like, the, for instance, like, oh, Tom Brady threw like 5,500 yards in a 16 game season or. Whatever, like, the single-season touchdown record you want to, like, the Randy Moss touchdown record, like, you're going to screw up and, like, or 2K rush yards for a season. You add another game in, you're going to, like, devalue the previous records. And the only reason they added another game in was for more money. Like, they, they sort of frame it like, oh, it's more football. Nobody likes the preseason. But, like, we can see that it, the football didn't start any earlier, and it made the quality of games worse. So... Just something that I like to point out that the quality of games in week one, if you want, not just the NFC East, like I said, it was all shit. I mean, you're probably right. I mean, that thing probably does affect uh, careers. I mean, it. Well, it certainly affects records because players get a whole other game to, like, you know, build up counting stats. I also don't like that for our entire lives we've been able to say like oh the team's going to go 6 and 10 or a team's going to go 8 and 8 or a team's going to go 11 and 5 and those sort of records and what that means has been established and now whenever we shadow box the schedule we can't say like oh the cowboys are going to go 7 and 9 there's another game you know so it's like the whole thing just reeks of a sort of got to ring out every last dollar and nothing is nailed down, nothing is sacred sort of behavior that we're seeing from virtually every sports league at this point, whether it be the mid-inning ad spam for MLB games or the mid-inning ad spam for NFL or the mid-quarter uh, you know, spam or how there's fucking ads on every single thing all over the walls, all over the stadiums. There's ads on the jerseys in the NBA now. The product is getting consistently degraded to the point where it actually makes it way less fun to watch. And I think this sort of repulsive avarice that we see across the board in all sports uh, shouldn't be a surprise to anyone for obvious reasons, but it doesn't make it any less sickening. So that's one thing that really jumps out to me is, yeah, the, the product is getting worse consistently, and it's being degraded and watered down if we look at the ability for defensive players to lay people out and do big hits, that's been taken away. Defense has been ruled out of the game. This idea that is pushed by dim-witted talking heads that what people actually want from heckin' football is 50-50 to 50 games where you literally can't play defense. It's completely legislated out of the game. Like, they, people just want to see, like, 
five play touchdown drives into like seven minutes of commercials and then when the game gets back for more free offense it's more commercials that's bullshit any hardcore football fan or even like you know casual football fan i talk to they complain about you can't even hit anymore it's not really football you hear all the real fans saying the same things and all the dishonest talking heads bringing up things that really the producers tell them like oh well uh this is the way the nfl's going so just spam the phrase player safety ad nauseum because if someone pushes back against that you can just stand on your soapbox what do you not care about the players you want people to get hurt and really uh mainstream sports commentary even the extremely popular highest rated shows it's almost all duplicitous commentary like this across the board Look at a show like Skip and Shannon. They'll talk about nothing for an hour, and then anytime either person is pressed, they'll launch into the same ostentatious Tom Brady versus LeBron James argument. Like, what does that have to do with, like, the Browns fucking Steelers game coming up? They're too stupid to even talk about sports, which is their entire job, in just a basic way, a basic functioning way of being able to debate a point and go back and forth. They can't help themselves. They're so dim-witted and moronic. It makes me sick. And I think that if you listen to Cowboys talk, that's something we're never going to do is sit here and say, you know what fans really want? 60 to 50 games where any time a receiver gets hit, if he writhes around on the ground, it's an automatic flag. It's like, yeah, but what if he hit him uh, with his shoulder right in his stomach and like there was no helmet to helmet even... Oh, it's still like... If the receiver rides around or he looks a little hurt or it was even like a big jarring hit, that's a flag. Like, what's some of the most exciting moments in football? And it's like these big, heavy-hitting, jacked-up hits. If you remember the uh, Monday Night Football pregame segment, Jacked Up, from our childhood, Chris Berman, absolutely phenomenal. It's like that that idea, that idea that like you really want to like punish people in football and like a contact violent sport, uh, sport the people who get jobs to be corporate mouthpieces and mainstream sports talk shows, your Skip Baylesses, your Jimmy Johnsons, these people are just going to basically pretend like that didn't happen so they can keep collecting a paycheck. And anytime I watch the NFL now, it's sad to remember how great it was and i ain't talking 45 years ago you know i'm not talk i'm not waxing poetic about like something i've never seen i'm talking about my own damn childhood ed reed brian dawkins these guys would roy williams on the cowboys these guys would really put the lumber to people and fuck them up now you can't even legally hit someone hard even if it's a literal textbook hit it's disgusting it's absolutely disgusting and the product that the NFL puts out continues to get worse on a yearly basis. And I think that is completely true as far as this opening week went. This was some of the shittiest, most boring football I've seen across the board. Tons of mistakes. A lot of lack of talent and teams that really just walked around with their heads up their ass. And it looked like a preseason game. You could tell that the players were unpracticed and sloppy. And it was just sort of loathsome to watch. Absolutely well said. I mean, just got, all we can hope is for a better week. I mean, in our case, not just for a better win, like or hopefully for the Cowboys to win, but like we want some football. Exactly. And 
I think uh, it might be we might be better off hoping for the Cowboys to win as opposed to like the old style of ball coming back. But you can see how this is a good example of how duplicitous people will mischaracterize something intentionally to make a point and try to make it where you can't argue. And what I mean by that is you have all these sports commentators who will use the phrase player safety to describe illegitimate bullshit rules being instituted. And they do that so if you if you fight back verbally, if you say, no, you know, I don't really agree with that. I think that they are throwing too many flags and there are too many rules uh, that just protect the offensive players. And the fact that the kickoff really doesn't exist anymore is a joke. You know, people like to, oh, what do you, you don't believe in players' safety? This is, a, this is like a very common duplicitous argumentative tactic that people use to shut down dissent. So you should, you and everyone else should be very wary of this tactic anytime you hear this filth on television. You should just know that like people will try to like gaslight you and lie to you in this way. Not on this show. Not on this show. Not on this show, by God. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's Cowboys Talk is available to you on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and YouTube. Riley, tell the folks where they can find you. You can follow me at Venomous Stare, Twitch, YouTube, Twitter. It's all at Venomous Stare. I do sports videos. I do gaming videos. And I'm a frequent guest on Cowboys Talk, the show you're hearing me on right now. Sub, leave a rating, and do all that good stuff. Leave it easy in the comments. Alex, great show, brother. Hopefully we can pull out a W next week. Cowboys Nation, that is. Well, hopefully. Well, we'll see y'all next time. Easy.